1: giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now.
2: Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile App is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. Member, FDIC. Copyright 2024, JP Morgan, Chase & Co. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts.
0: This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam Fergoso. Welcome to the
2: show.
0: Hello everyone. Thank you for being here. Today I am joined by TS Madison. But before we jump in, I just want to thank everyone that has supported the show through our new Patreon. After five years and 200 plus episodes, we launched the campaign last week. If you're listening to the show and would like to get behind the work we do, you can visit patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash talk easy. Any contribution, no matter the size really does help us continue moving forward. Now, this episode today is one I'm really excited to present. If you're unfamiliar with T.S. Madison, she's an author, comedian, television host, producer, artist, motivational speaker, LGBTQ2 plus activist, and most importantly, the star of a new show on TV called The T.S. Madison Experience. It's a behind-the-scenes look at Madison's journey to become the first black trans woman to host a mainstream talk show. And as you're about to hear on this kind of talk show, we would be so lucky to have her host one of these. T.S. identifies as a heterosexual transgender woman, and what she's done in this space, for her community, is nothing short of remarkable. As she's fond of saying, she lives loud, live, and in color. Now, I want to give a fair warning here. The nature of this conversation, which explores her time as a sex worker, is sometimes graphic, the language, vulgar. We dive into uncharted territory for this show, discourse around sexuality and those early childhood experiences where. We're all a little uncertain about what's happening and why. T.S. has a way of turning all of this, especially her pain, into comedy. The goal of this conversation is to understand both the pain and the comedy. I thank T.S. Madison for being willing to have this conversation. And to you for listening. Thanks for being here. T.S. Madison. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Wait, you
3: caught me off guard. I was looking down at my (laughs) boob. Wait a minute, let me do it. What's up, everybody? This is your girl, T.S. Madison. Honey, is it on? Is it on? Is this thing recording? Sub YouTube land, Twitter land, Instagram land, Snapchat, Grinderscruff, scruff, BGC, Jack, Facebook, Periscope, and last but not least, every single one of my bitches. Christian Mingle and the lands all across the land. This is your girl
0: T.S. Madison,
3: and I am loud, live, and in color on the Talk Easy
0: podcast. Wow, and you expect me to follow that?
3: Yes, right. That's how I was born for this. You was born to do it your way, and I was born to do it mine.
0: You came on this show and just hijacked it from the jump. Are you ready to have some fun today? I'm so ready, and I want to start. There's so many places to go and start here, but how are you doing right now?
3: I'm doing fine. I'm sitting here with uh, Sam, like as in Sam Wheat.
0: I think I know this. Is this from Ghost? Is this what it is?
3: Yeah, it's to me. Sam Wheat. Sam. So when I started
0: saying Sam Wheat. Do, do I remind you of Patrick Swayze?
3: I'm, I, listen, Patrick Swayze was, was definitely a girl crush of mine. I wanted to Swayze on Patrick. I wanted to do a lot of things. <laughs> I think a lot of girls growing up loved Patrick Swayze. He was such a beautiful, beautiful man. And I love a good, beautiful man. You do. I do. Like, Oprah loves bread. You know, she says, I love bread. (laughs) Is that, are you throwing shade at Oprah? No, I love Oprah. Listen, Oprah is an aspiration of mine. Like, I look at Oprah, I'm like, bitch, you're a billionaire. Shut. I want to be a being there just talking and talking about people's lives and talking, 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 talking.
0: I can do that too.
3: <laughs> but a little bit more flavor though. Like I got a little bit more flavor than
0: Oprah Oh, I think you have a lot more flavor.
3: But she is the grand Hyde witch, honey. If we're going to look to anyone to absorb powers from, we're definitely going to look to the grand hide. And that
0: is Oprah Winfrey. I agree. and And, and by the way, this is a moment for you where so many new people are finding you and your work through your new show, uh, The T.S. Madison Experience. But before we get into that, I think what's important for people to understand is a little bit of how you got here. Ooh, and are
3: you going to take me down memory lane of what you know? And I feel in the circles.
0: That's kind of the premise of the show. Oh,
3: God. Yeah. already. I want to know what you know so that I can be like, oh, wait, I did that. Oh, God. Wait a minute. I didn't even remember that. Just do it, baby. Just do it. Sam Wheat.
0: So much of your story, at least my understanding of it, is embedded in these memories, these sort of sexually charged memories of you as a kid. And there's a few I kind of just want to jump into and... See where they land with you.
3: I'm, I'm open. Like, I, it's, I'm, I don't get offended by things. The, you know how you got to be ready like a, a Little Caesars pizza, hot and ready?
0: I, you know, I think you're better than a Little Caesars pizza.
3: Baby, listen, I am full of, I'm more <laughs> greasy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there's so much because everyone has these memories of, of being a young kid, being curious and, and kind of confused because you're, three years old, and in this case... Oh, you read my book. Of course I read your book. You're coming on this show. I'm going to read your book. You're a three-year-old flipping through a magazine with a cavalcade of erect penises. Yes. I promise I've never said that sentence on this show. (laughs) And suddenly you noticed, as a three-year-old, that you were excited about this. Excited.
3: I was excited, yes. I had an erection, too.
0: And what is your mother's... Response to this?
3: Well, here's the thing. Like, I was a curious kid, you know, trying to know everything and know all what I'm not supposed to. And my aunt, may God, well, I'm not going to say God, may God rest herself. May God continue to allow her to fight for me in the spirit realm, what she's doing right now. She's in, she's she's one of my heavenly warriors right now. My aunt was a very. <laughs> Well, it was a very, she liked men. Like, I like men. She loved men. And she used to have men magazines around, the, you know, around her house. And they were hidden. But, you know, the curious Georgette the, that I am, honey, I crawled around and, and I found the book. I, I just, This is one of the most vivid memories that I have as a three-year-old. And the book was on the floor. And I'm just curiously looking through. And I'm seeing penis, and men. And I see I vividly remember this. Uniforms.
0: What kind of uniforms?
3: Like a sergeant, military, police. Like there were men in uniform that were, that were buttoned here, but open where I can see some of the, uh, the form of the chest. And then some were open where you can see the six pack. And then they had on no pants. They were, I just saw penis and balls and... It was a, it was just a variety of men, and I'm flipping through this, and I have an erection, and I'm I'm loving and enjoying what I'm seeing, and so my my aunt is in her bed sleeping, snoring like a motherfucker. God damn it! I mean snoring, and I'm down there getting my life. You know, I don't know to touch the penis or. I don't even know that I have a penis. I don't know what it is. I just know that there's, uh, that there's something going on in between my legs. that's erect, and I'm looking at something that's exciting me. And my mom comes home from work, and she coming down the hall, and I look up at her because it was this is like this is not abnormal for for me, but she comes and says, "What is you looking at?" And she reaches and she grabs it, and she picks me up, and she I, she I, she had me in this hand, and I, I comes up with the book like this is mine. It's mine. When I come up with the book, she's, she sees what the book is, and she snatches the book from me. And I snatch the book back from her, and she snatches it back. And I'm, yeah, we're in a tug of war, I'm crying. You know? And I vividly remember that as a three-year-old. And I thought I was crazy. I did. And when I finished the book and I put the book out and I let my mother proofread but not proofread. I let her read the first copy of the book. And she's seen that, that part. She didn't say anything. And then I asked her, I said, Mommy, do you remember that? She says, Yes, I do. Vividly. I was like, Yeah. I, say, I think that was my first introduction to seeing a penis.
0: Why did you think you were crazy?
3: Because I was like, How do I remember this so vividly from three? The viv- that was so vivid to me, like it, it, it imprinted on me, you know. And I was so enthralled and r- aroused. And I think back sometimes when I think about that that memory, I, I just say, "Did that fuck me up? Was I fucked up from that? Like, did that really, did that really do something to me mentally? I don't know. Growing up after that." You know when you're in a neighborhood with other kids and stuff like that and other other kids your age and, and a little bit older might be a little bit older not 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 fifteen years old or ten years old, you know, maybe a year older or months older, you are playing house with other kids your age, and somebody played a mama, somebody played a daddy, and you know you grind on each other Have you ever hunched as a kid hunched yeah like grind like on a, another kid,
0: I think so. <laughs>
3: You better, honey. You're not living real life, honey.
0: Well, I can't, I can't go back to childhood now, but I think so. Yeah. I mean, I hunched. I remember hunching. And
3: But that, that three-year-old memory right there, I was like, whoa.
0: But you wonder if it did something to you.
3: Yeah. Did it fuck me up?
0: Do you think it's possible that it did because of your mother's response? Because the part you left out is that she said, something's not right.
3: Yeah. I don't want to say something that's like crazy. So I'm going to say this. I know we talk about representation and visibility of, you know, people on television, black people, trans people, you know, marginalized groups of people. We talk about this stuff on television and in film and stuff like that. And uh, lots of uh, cis head people like to say, uh, you know, they're worried about their children being you know, influenced and imprinted on by gays and lesbians and trans and blah and black and all all this shit that they, they say. But when you really look at it, I came through the channel of a straight world, you know? Like, and the magazine wasn't showing me women, you know, and they wasn't showing men having sex. They were not two men having sex. They were men just posing in the nude. They were men in the nude. It was a straight. It, my aunt loves men. This was a. This was. I think this was Playgirl. Playgirl, you know, Playboy's for the for the men. Playgirl is for the women. And I think it. Cause, and it was. There was no sex acts. There were no. There was no penetration. I didn't see any 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 oral sex. Nothing. It was. You now you really got me thinking now because I'm not you are like what a minute, it was, men posing nude. And I was housed. I, I was highly entertained by that. Here's 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 a philosophy that I always have, Sam. Don't get mad at me, but I got it because you're a straight man. I gotta say this: men do not see other men's penises until they watch a porno, or they're in the gym, or the gym, or the high school when somebody else is nude. You're, whoa, whoa, shit! Wait, there's more dicks in the world than mine. You know, (laughs) like, wait, hold on. There's more dicks than mine in this world. Wait a minute. I don't have the big. He has the biggest (laughs) dick in the fucking world.
0: So (laughs) and only and only men would be like, but I thought I was the only one.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yes. And they and, and, and it would make them it would make them sound gay if they said, wait a minute, I don't have the biggest dick on. He does. That man's dick is huge, you know? So you have to bottle that shit up. Like the social constructs in society has really bucked us up as human beings. Like girls wear pink, boys wear blue. Men can't compliment other men's penises. Uh, wait, is that a social construct or you're not supposed to I don't know. Well, anyway. But <laughs> The, the thing about it is, you know, looking at that, Sam, I, I, and ha, you have me really now, like right now at this moment, you have me in thought, because I I'm thinking, like it did it was it just did it just draw the inner me out? Like was the inner me always going to be a woman that loved penis? Because I love penis, the look of it, the smell of it, the taste of it all.
0: Penis. I'm glad someone does. (laughs) You meet a lot of women. Don't they love penis?
3: The women you meet, don't they love penis? Shit.
0: I was always hoping someone on this podcast would ask me that.
3: Well, the women you meet, don't they love penis? You got
0: me all shy now.
3: I know about the ones that love penis, and I'm one of those ones that love penis. And so... Thinking back on that, the shit is like really crazy because now I'm sitting here like, bitch, you've always been a woman. I love women too, but not in that way. Like I love women visually. Like I can visually look at a, at a girl. I can visually look at at a bunch, a group of women, and be like, man, these women are beautiful. But there's no, there's a no go in the in the bottom half because. You know, I'm not sexually attracted to them. I'm not turned on by a woman sexually, but I am turned on by a woman's essence. I love the way a, wo- a woman throws her hair or the way she can seduce a man without knowing she's seducing a man by walking by. and You know, just like all of that stuff. I, 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 just, I like those things. But as far as me and a woman, like, making it do what it do... Mm-hmm. She's my sister. I can't sleep with my sister. That's incest.
0: Well, now hold on because this reminds me of an experience you had in your childhood. For context, you grew up in a Christian home. Yes as the oldest of six siblings.
3: Well, it's three brothers and my other three cousins, we were we were raised like brothers. My mother and her sister were very close. We lived in the, in the house with each other, especially after the hurricane Andrew. I'm from Miami, guys, and I lived through Hurricane Andrew. Hurricane Andrew came through and tore our whole situation up. And I remember being fourth fifth, wait a minute, 92. God, do you, how old are you, Sam?
0: I was born in
3: 94. Oh shit. I was already a grown woman.
0: (laughs) I was 18 when you
3: were born. Wow. 19 probably. I was probably 19 years old when you... Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. I was having my first penis then.
0: No. Your first (sighs) penis came at 11 years old. Tell me
3: what I did. I remember.
0: You're at a family... By the way, I love that I can say the sentence, let me tell you about your first penis.
3: Yes, tell me. (laughs) And then remind me.
0: You're 11... You're at a family pool party. Yes. You have on blue shorts. And,
3: and it flies out in the pool.
0: <laughs> your clothes and your cousin's clothes both get wet. The two of you retreat to a room. And as you pull down your pants, your cousin says, no, no, no. Pull them all the way down.
3: You know, this is when you start discovering, like I said, when you you don't see another penis until things happen as kids and you growing up and you you growing up with other kids that are your age. Now, mind you, we are all in the same age, maybe a year older or a year younger or, or a year we're in the same. We grew up. I just really will say this. I remember us hunching. And then I got a whooping. But then, you know, I remember him taunting me down the line. And calling me gay and stuff and fag and, you know, like that was one of the ones that did that to me.
0: The same cousin that was humping you.
3: That we hunched each other. Yeah, we were hunching. We were rubbing we, we were rubbing penises together, you know, because we were interested in like both of us. Nobody sees. Because
0: you're 11 and curious and, and interested. Yeah,
3: I want nobody sees nobody else's dick. So you see one for the first time. You're like, ooh, you got one. You got one, too. You got, ooh, let's. Does it does it get, does it do anything after this? Like, does it like who's is bigger? I don't think people really talk deep about this stuff because, oh, Sam, you going there? I love it. I don't think people talk about this stuff because they try to suppress that these things happen or go on. But I think kids explore lots of things with uh, with each other. And all the things that people try to keep children from and keep kids from that they think the TV is teaching them, honey, they're learning that shit from their from their their kids. They're in school with their kids that they're uh, they're related to, kids. So yeah, it was a little dry. I was humping and rubbing and exploring, like how who's bigger and can we put them inside each other? Like I don't know. I'm, I'm new to dicks at this point.
0: Of course, you're 11. Yeah, so
3: you, this, ooh, but we got a whooping. Ooh, we got caught and got a whooping.
0: Now, you didn't just get a whooping. You got a double whooping because your mother and your cousin's mother, I think it's your aunt.
3: It was my, it was, it was my cousin's mother. We were cousins. They were cousins. Okay. Which is my mother's cousin. We were cousins. All of us were cousins. Like we were we're like brothers and sisters, kids, you know, cousins like but that.
0: These two grown women come into the room and they each beat their own child. And then they swap. Then they swap.
3: Here you go. Whoop him. Whoop him. Thinking about this is like, wow. Which makes me want to have like more conversations about this type of stuff of where discovery truly starts. Discovery has nothing to do with Television. Nothing.
0: What do you mean by that?
3: Like you don't know what the fuck you' looking at on TV, but you know what's going on when you, in you're playing with your friends and your cousins, and you're, you're at daycare or you're 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 with your your family at a family reunion a family function, and the grown people are in the room and the kids are in this room, you know, you know things are going on. This is where things are discovered. Hey, what does that mouth do? <laughs> You know, like this shit go on. You don't know that it's a dick and it goes inside of a woman and it makes a baby. You don't know that. You just know you playing and y'all swimming and then you see something fall out. You're like, ooh, what is that? You know, what is it? And y'all looking at it, what is it? And, you know, you got to, uh, I know that there's some shit going on in me, you know, like it's different. You don't know that the same shit might be going on in this person over here, you know. But I think it's curio- It's more curiosity, and, and you're thinking about it and you're really looking at it, having me sit back and r- reminisce on this, like in a pot, like if no one's ever did this for me. Having me r- reminisce on it like that, I'm like, we were all curious.
0: Except in your case, you were punished for your curiosity.
3: Yeah, because this is not, this is not what's supposed to happen. Like, this is against the order.
0: The order.
3: The order. This is the list.
0: You know, you've done a remarkable job of turning your pain into comedy, and there's something that happens after this beating that I I really, and you do such a good job on your show of, of thinking about these ideas of where we come from, but afterwards, you get in the car to drive home, and your mother, who is so phenomenal in your new show and is and a recurring presence. She starts crying in the front seat after beating, after finding you doing what you were doing. Hunching. Hunching. And I, I, I want to know, now that you are in your 40s, why do you think your mother was crying?
3: I think she was crying because... She- she probably had a reflection back at the three-year-old that had that book in her hands. And thinking, what did I do wrong? What have I done wrong? What have I improperly done as a parent? Like, what have I made a mistake? Did I, did I what did I not do? Because... If this is a three, and now we're at 11, this is eight years later, this is something that's still going on. This is real. And to a straight person in a straight world, this is a problem. And what did I do? Because I know what the world gives. I've heard, like, I I don't have any, this is me thinking from her, from you asking me this question. This is me thinking like she's, I don't have any experience because she didn't have any LBGT friends. Like, come on, this they, they didn't have that. And the church and this and the other, you don't know. So, like, what is Like, it's, it's all of these things. What's going on? What's, what's wrong? Like, I've heard about this stuff and you hear, you hear, you hear whispers of this with people. What, 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 what did I do? Like, something's wrong. Who touched you? You know, this is, this is what happens. And I think riding in that car is just like, oh, God. How do I fix this? How do I stop this? How do I change this? How? You know, and I'm in the backseat just crying because I don't, this is, I'm curious, I don't, I don't know. No, no, no one in the car knows anything. It's just a car, so it's just a car ride home of anger, confusion, and just not knowing. What happens after this? Something happens at three. You're like, okay, maybe this will go away. Maybe this was just a mistake. Stop putting them books around. I remember her telling my aunt, stop leaving them books, put them books higher, put that stuff up there. Now, eight, you're actually hunching, doing things like with y'all, are, you're two boys. You know, this, I'm, I'm sure there was flooded, flooded thoughts. I couldn't tell you, I don't know. You know, I know the thinking process of me is like, oh, I don't know why, there's, I don't, there's something wrong. There's wrong things going on. Because, like, of course, if if I'm getting a whooping and I'm getting reprimanded and scolded and, and this something is wrong, like something wrong with me. So you you go through this phase of something is wrong with you. Looking back over that and thinking about how parents do their children in this state and, and where they are now, I just think like people really need a lot of healing from these things that they've taught about attraction, orientation, identity. Like they need healing from that because, you know, there there's no textbook thing on it. Like I know that you can go to school for gender studies and blah, 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 and all that, but it's just there's no way. God, nobody has never has ever asked me that. No one has, and no one has ever asked me, "What do you think is going through my mom's mind and in the front seat?" No one has really ever even gotten in depth and asking me these questions, like from the book, like that, which is really making me reminisce and think about it. And you know, thinking on it, I, I, could have, I couldn't imagine what was going on in her head, in her head. Thinking that this started at three, now we're here and. 8, 11. And this is eight years later. And now it is, it has progressed. And it is, it's bigger than just looking. Now it's exploring. No, you're supposed to be a boy that is going to like men, women, and going to give me grandkids and going to like the list. I talk about this all the time when I start talking about things. Talk about the list. When you come out of the womb, do you have a list of things that you must do? You must go to college. <laughs> you must find and date a, a woman. You must bear kids. You must be a provider for the family. You must be a man. you It's just like the must, the list of things you have to, you know, like this is already, in, it's, construct, it's constructed for you already. And once you go against that or come outside of the matrix, I, I, when I watch the the matrix, I look at it with a different set of eyes. I'm like, wow. Bitch, we're really in the matrix. Anybody that thinks outside, or anybody that's not going by the list, or the 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 construct the constructed things is crazy, is wrong, is just wow. That was a good question that you asked me, Sam Wheat. <laughs> wow. What do you think about my answer?
0: I think like everything you say, it's um, somehow human and honest and painful and funny all at once. Of course you're calling me Sam Wheat at the end. I knew that was going to happen.
3: Of course, honey. Whoa. I was going to say ghost, but I don't know.
0: You don't need to. (laughs) How does it land with you?
3: You know, at the end of the day, it's happened and there's things that I can't change and then, you know, some stuff that slips away from me until I have to think about it and just thinking like, damn, I got a fucking whipping
0: and I still end up sucking the dick. <clears throat> that's how badly you want to.
3: Yeah, that's how badly, you know, that's how, you know, connected I am to penis. I love it. But all jokes aside, um, this is the first time I had to think about that in years. And then to think about where me and my mother are now. And think about her riding in the front seat of that car. I wonder what what she was thinking.
0: Would you ever ask her?
3: I don't know. My mom is uh she's different with me. She she she's she's not um like I process stuff and turn it into comedy. My mother is more you know you touch you you pick at a cut on her and, and, you, and it starts bleeding again and it's gonna gush. Over. So I don't really. I don't really like to dig into stuff like that because I'm just like, it's done. Like, we done covered it up. It done, it's done. not such a big scar. But you start picking at it, and that shit is going to open up and gush out. Like, you can pick at it with me, and I'll be like, girl, I'm not going to be going to bleeding off of that no more, honey. I don't want to do that. You know, let me tell you a joke about how I got the scab, and I rubbed a piece of candy over it, honey, and it broke me out. So y'all better go in and get your candies checked out, honey, because you're breaking bitches' arms out. You know, I can make it, you know, turn it into a joke. It's funny.
0: Do you remember the first moment where you turned some of these more painful moments into something that was funny?
3: YouTube came along, and uh, I remember vlogging about sex. I remember.
1: Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before, platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies. The cellular vehicle-to-everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G-connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The City of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the City of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Small business owners, this one's
2: for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile App is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. Member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company.
3: In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella putting
2: bad guys away there's no feeling like it in the world he was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice that's one version this guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by detective Scarcella in prison Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation
3: and the law was my girlfriend this is my only way to freedom
2: Derek And other convicted murderers. Started a law firm behind bars.
3: We never knew we had the same cop in the case. It's We got to show that
0: he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves.
1: I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden.
2: Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on
3: Apple Podcasts. On my old YouTube channel, which is, unfortunately the, 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 it was folded up, honey, and thrown away, like what trash
0: is. I remember with. <laughs> Are you calling your own YouTube channel trash? It
3: was trashy. Oh, it was trashy. It was trash. But it was so, it had hundreds of thousands of people that followed that YouTube channel and was there for years. Like it had been up for 10 years. Girl, I would turn that damn video on, Sam, and I would just talk. Because I didn't have nobody to talk to about stuff like that. Because nobody probably would understand. Nobody would understand it. So you just talk to people who you don't know. I don't give a fuck if those people judge me or how they feel about it. I don't know them. So I turned the video on and I'm like, girl, let me tell you about the time, honey, when the man pulled me over and fucked me in the backseat of the car and stole my money from up under my, you know, just talking, just talking. And whoever is out there in the cyber world, like they're my girlfriends.
0: You leave home and you do sex work, which you've talked about a, a whole bunch.
3: Viciously, vicious sex work. Oh, my God. I didn't love all of it. I loved, I'm not going to tell you no lie, Sam. I loved some of that shit. It was some of the best penis I've ever had in
0: my fucking life. So tell me, when is it good and when is it bad?
3: Well, it's bad. I can talk about the bad stuff before because I don't want to glorify it. Um, It's bad when it's just like, this is the bare, this is what you have to do. And I don't think people really understand, like, if, if, if I was selling ass, coochie dingling titties and looks for fun, this is something I was doing to live. And I know people say, oh, well, why don't you go out and get a job? Well, why don't you hire me? Why don't you pay me an adequate amount of money so that I don't have to find other things to make? You know, I can't go to McDonald's and make whatever McDonald's pay was 25 fucking years ago and pay bills while I work in six six jobs and hell you don't you basically don't want to give me one job now I got to get five to make ends meet you don't want to give me one job and see you, you tie this right into the way the lawmakers make these bills and 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 they 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 don't take into consideration that trans people are human beings they just let me make these laws and say, "Well, we don't want you in the bathroom. We don't want you in the win- women's bathroom. We don't want you in the men's bathroom. We just don't want you to pee." So, what am I supposed to do? Pee on your porch? We don't want you, and we don't want you on television because you know we don't want you influencing the kids, and we don't want this, and we don't want like it's like, it's like we, we we're gonna we're gonna tell the doctors in the hospitals that because you believe in God, you have the right to. Tell a trans person that they, you're not going to help them if they're sick. And you're not going to feed them if they're hungry. And you're not going to house them if they're homeless. Just throw them in the streets and just eventually they'll die. That's basically what all of that shit sounds like. Then you look down your nose at a prostitute. And I'm going to speak for both ends of prostitution. You Look down your nose at a prostitute. Who is a trans prostitute? And you like, bitch? You're nasty. You're disgusting. You're filthy. You're, uh, uh, you made this person. You made this job for this person. You look at a woman prostitute who's, who's who who has some of the same you know experiences that that I would have. You made you created this job for her. Why are you complaining? You made this job for these disenfranchised people you created that that's what you made you did that and now you're mad you threw people to the street and told them to find food you too threw people to the street and told them to find shelter find health care find it you, you go find it you're you're not human you're trans
0: and so you find it by any means necessary,
3: and that's when the sex work is uncomfortable. It, it, this is, this is what I have to do. I have to make a certain amount of money to keep a roof over my head. I have to make a certain amount of money to try to find an, a doctor who doesn't think with the with the all thinking of. I'm gonna, you know, fucking not give health care to a trans person. You go, you have to find a a doctor that will will take cash to see you because you you can't get no insurance and and all of this kind of stuff. So this is when it becomes, that is when it's all the time uncomfortable. When it's, you have to do it. Imagine you as a white man, straight, and you walk to a teller in the bank and, and you and let's say if the roles were changing, this was a trans world, and you're like, "Well, we don't want straight people working here. What? What? What the fuck? Why does a woman and a man need to be together? Now, God, get out. We're not giving you a job. We're not hiring you anywhere. We're not feeding you. We're not giving you any housing. We're not doing this for you. You're straight. Are you? Are you serious? Get out." Imagine how to now go out into this world and trans people are picking you up on the street and paying you pebbles and pennies and and, and to give them a blowjob and and, and to fuck in the ass and all of this stuff. Imagine that, right? And then I say that you got to scrounge up all that little money that you made and you got to pay bills because you, 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 you're only given a little section of housing that you can live in and a certain hood that you can live in. Just imagine all of the all of the shit that we tell you that we experience. Put it in your world, you wear those shoes. You hate it, you hate it. But what what other well, other choice do you got? Then all the years go by, and you you've defeated that, you've overcome that, and you're moving forward. And you've gotten your life together, you've gotten yourself in order, and you, you're putting yourself together in life. And people say shit like. Well, you were a prostitute. Well, you did that for a living. You, you, you were you were a pornographic actress. You did. Yeah. Uh, we, I, no, bitch. You're not gonna hold me bound and chained by the, the and shackled by the cards you dealt me. You're not gonna lock me up and say I can't do nothing else now because times have changed and, and people have been fighting and for things to, to change. You're not finna do that to me, bitch, no. Mm Mm-mm. Not now. not never. You're not gonna do this to me. It's not, you're not gonna do this. No, let me in. Times have changed, laws have changed, stuff has changed. Even though we're still trying to dig, dibble back into that shit, stuff has changed. Let me in and let me show people out there in the world that 25 years ago it was hard. Yes, it's hard 25 years later, But bitch, they let me through. They'll they'll do it for you. I'm pushing my way through. They didn't fucking let me through. I pushed my way through. And you can push your way through too. Fuck about letting me in. I kicked the door in. Come on, Sam. You got me over here thinking about that shit.
0: (laughs) You're right? Yeah, I'm
3: okay. I'm just thinking about it. I get a little upset. When I started having to think about like when people judge people based off of that, or people have these preconceived notions that oh they enjoy fucking all the time. Yes, I love sex. I love sex like everybody else. But I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to make it to that's where I have to do in order to keep a plate on the table. Because there are days I don't want to fuck as much as I love it. There are days that I don't want to. You know, and I don't want nobody's sympathy, bitch. I want you to change your mind. I don't want your sympathy. I want you to change your think. I want you to listen to this and be like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. That, that, might be, that might be true. Like, wow. I want you to change your mind and change your ways. I don't want you to be patting me on the back. Oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I'm not. Because I know how to handle you motherfuckers now. I know how to handle all you motherfuckers. All you motherfuckers can get handled. I know how to box. Because y'all bitches taught me how to fight. <laughs> That's what I know how to do. So thank you, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> I wish you didn't have to box.
3: I'm glad I know how to box. Cause now there's a new world of there's a new world of prostitution. You gotta sell your personality. You gotta sell your you gotta sell your beauty, your look, you know, and you keep your clothes on, but you're still getting fucked. You still, but you just know how how deep you're gonna let them go in you, or how deep you go in a motherfucking ass. You know, you know how to do that now. And so I'm glad that it happened because I learned, listen, there's nothing. You can't pull the wool over my eyes, bitch. You can't slick a can of oil. I see you coming.
0: (laughs) You always saw them coming, though, because here's the thing. You were on Laverne Cox podcast and on Laverne's show, you had this really great quote about how eventually the tricks stopped coming. And the tricks won't last, but you're going to have to make the money last. And you knew, even then, even as a young person in their 20s, figuring it out, you were thinking about the long game and working towards that idea of, of ownership and equity. How did you know to do all that?
3: I know where I was and I know where I didn't want to be. I, there was no way... Possible. This was going on in my 20s that I would be in my 40s still trying to do that. So I had to, listen, you fuck a banker, you talk to a banker. You fuck a mortgage broker, you talk to a mortgage broker. You learn these things from the people that you're dealing with because these are the people that are coming to see you. You know, I remember I had a guy that was, a, a when I lived in my apartment, when I was doing a adult film, and I was living in my, uh, not apartment, I was my townhouse. And he came and he said, "Um, Madison, have you ever thought about, he says, you make lots of money from your website, don't you? I said, yeah. He says, why are you still renting? He says, what happens at the end of the year when you're done with your rent? I said, I renew my lease. He says, right. And you're left with rent receipts. At the end of the year, when you pay into your mortgage of your home, you've put equity into your to your brother. I was like, oh shit. Right after that, I was like, that's it. No more rent receipts. He says, I work over at, I shouldn't tell where he works at, but one of those banks. I work at such and such. Why don't you come down here? Won't you come down there and, and, and see if we can get you a, a loan at the bank for a home? And then there that's when my trust kicked in. Motherfucker, I'm not gonna show you how much money I make, so you stop giving me money, bitch. You think I'm finna start? I'm finna tell you how much money I done made, so you can stop bucking me and giving me money, bitch. I don't want you to know I make more than your ass, motherfucker, you bitch. So I went to another bank. A woman.
0: <laughs> so there was no chance of being interested.
3: No, he was not gonna. He listen, I was not gonna ab- about allow him to understand how much money that I was, you know, pulling in from. Because you know, I got off the streets, but I, I didn't stop sex work. I got off the street and I got. I became a, a higher class call girl and it cost it costed more to come lay in the comfort of the sheets of the house. So, you, know, you know, I started seeing a different type of man. It was still dangerous. The, the, the danger didn't change. You know, uh, you don't think a banker or, 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 or a lawyer or a doctor or, or an athlete will come there and still strangle you. He's still a man will strangle your fucking ass to death. This this gentleman here he who's talking to me about it, I was like, I, I, realized, I was like, bitch, you trying to get in my purse. You trying to figure out how much money I motherfucking make. I'm not telling your ass a fucking thing. But I kissed him and loved on him and licked his dick and got up maybe two days later, honey, and went to another bank and found me a woman and applied for a loan for somewhere. Got turned down because, you know, I didn't, that was my first time. But I I found out what I needed to do. And then after that, I started acquiring things. People think that property is the only thing that that acquires equity. Intellectual property as
0: well. Which is everything you've done.
3: Everything. Everything.
0: And you're bringing all that into this new show.
3: Oh, yes.
0: Which I think, I have to say, feels like the arrival of something for you. It was sort of the destination you were trying to get to this whole time.
3: Baby, I'm going forth. Honey, I'm also executive producer of my own television show. Come on. That means I can executive produce other things. I have a great relationship with the network. I have a great relationship with the production company. I have great relationships with people. There are stories that, I, that are that are just as powerful as mine, if not more powerful, that I would like to tell, that I would like to manifest. Honey, I come in there with a, with a sizzle. I'm ready. Let's do it. You know, this is where my mind is thinking. Like, I'm, I'm not—I don't always have to be in front of the camera. Let me handle the back work. Let me direct. Let me produce. Let me, let me, let me, let me inspire the writing because I don't really got time to be sitting down there writing no shit. Now I got a lot of talking to do. Let me audio book it. God damn it! But that's—that's that's where I'm at in the headspace now. I want to take ownership of all things that encompass TS Mass and not just my intellectual property, but your intellectual property too.
0: Earlier, you said that. The door wasn't open for you, so you had to kick it in. You willed these opportunities into existence. And now that you're here, do you feel an obligation to keep that door open?
3: Yes. Listen to me. It's not just important. It is my duty. That's my duty. That's why I don't try to mess no relationships up with the network. I don't mess relationships up with the production companies. I don't mess relationships up with important people because they will have a meeting with one person. One trans person, one black person, you know, one marginalized group person. One. And they will apply that to all. And I don't want to go in there and fuck up the thing in my funky Doniva voice. I don't fuck up! I don't want to go in there and fuck up the thing and fix it to where the door is closed. And it's like, well, we're not giving any, we're not doing that because our, because of our experience with T.S. Madison. And I've been a victim of that myself. I think that a lot of times they, they're they hesitant on talk shows and radio shows and stuff because they, they try to see the ratings, the viewership and all of that on stuff based off of what, you know, what, the predecessor was or something that it really had nothing to do with it, but it's every story is different, every story is unique and it takes time to punch a hole in a brick wall with flesh. This is flesh going into a brick wall. So it takes time maybe my hands and arms and everything is, is, is busted open from punching through those walls so it takes time for that type of stuff to happen and the, some people may not get the story immediately, but They'll get the story if you constantly hitting it. It'll break through. Sam, you know when I got my book and read my book and you know you've you've you got it. And then this have this this gives you a new perspective about T.S. Madison. It gives you a new whole thing about what, what this. T- she actually yeah, funny. Yeah, the bitch funny. The bitch got a filthy ass fucking mouth. Yes, she do. But I can learn something from this bitch. I can learn something from her, and I can learn something about her her. I can learn about people that's kind of like her. They have the same characteristics as her. Ain't nobody gonna be her. But there are people that she represents that are
0: like her. There is one you and there's one last story that I want to share before we go. You're 15 years old. You're working at a place called Miami Subs. <laughs> This is your second job and a transsexual pulls through the drive-thru.
3: God damn it, Tangela. (laughs)
0: I'll let you take it from here. This
3: is the first time that I see me. And as confusing as it was, oh, Sam, as confusing as it was, I understood it all. This bitch came through here and she knew this bitch knew. Uh, out of every, out of all the stuff that I probably tried to suppress and hide and, and and keep concealed, she pulled right in there and saw it and knew. And she reached those long, ninety nine inch ass nails in that window when I was p- passing her her food, and she's like, ah, "What's your name?" Like a witch. It was like a witch, you know?
0: <laughs> You're 15 working at a drive-thru. This woman orders something from Miami Subs, and she says to you, are you one of the girls?
3: Well, she was saying it in a way like like she knew. She wanted me to say it. Are you one of the girls? Oh, That fucking, with that bitch, oh God, that bitch dug it out of me. I was mad at, at first a little because I felt like, bitch, you tra- don't be, you're yeah like, You know, like, bitch, don't do that. But thank God for her. I could have went through the rest of my life from 15 to 40 never seeing me and never understanding who or what I really was. And that was one of the most freeing Moments were the beginning of freedom for me because you don't know how to explain it. And all of this ironically happened the same year that The Crying Game comes out. All of it, all the dots connected. All of it. I knew I loved RuPaul. I knew it. I didn't understand what RuPaul was, but I knew that RuPaul was not a woman, but she was not a man, but she was not a woman. This thing that came through this fucking place was not a man at all, but was something more divine because it was two that made one. And I know that I am two that makes one. And this is why I won't have a sex change operation. This is why. Because I am two that makes one. I'm definitely at peace with my spirit. I know that my spirit is neither, it's it's not all male. It's not all female. I know that my spirit is both working at the same time. To live out loud like this, you have to be in touch with your inner being. Like you have to really, it's like a supernova, like big personality, big dreams, just big, not just over the top, but just big and not being able to contain it into one thing. And she did that for me. She'll never know. Like, I wrote about her in my book, but she, I, think, I don't think she'll ever know how big that was for me. For for me to look back at me and see me. And, bitch, what I saw was fun. <laughs>
0: What she did for you is now what you're doing for other people. And I know we thanked her for for doing what she did, for seeing you before you saw you. But I want to thank you because I think, um, well, I think a lot of people are seeing themselves through you. Hopefully. I hope to do that. And I hope
3: to be as liberating as she was for me. Because there's nothing like liberation. Life can have you bound and chained to your past. It can have you bound and chained to rules. It can have you bound and chained to the matrix. But when you're liberated, you're like a phoenix right? it's rising from the ashes. Big. I think, I'm at, I think I'm at one of the most happiest places in my life that I've ever been by just being being I walk outside and, and I get clocked or, or, or I tell somebody what's going on that's why I'm so open about me being trans like listen bitch I'm free
0: loud live and in color
3: Hundi BBB I shut out Well, I thank God yes loud live and in color the T.S. Madison that's why we had the T.S. Madison experience
0: right here on this show
3: on this show we just had a whole T.S. Madison experience while I ate a donut and talked about BS. <laughs> <penis. laughs>
0: Anytime. T.S. Madison, thank you very much.
3: Sam, this was great. You really dug deep in me, honey, and you kept your
0: pants on. (laughs) (laughs) How did I not see that joke coming? Of course. (laughs) Much love, T.S.
3: Thank you, baby. Thank you.
0: And that's our show. Special thanks this week to Pam Broussard and the inimitable T.S. Madison. Season one of the T.S. Madison Experience is available on WE TV. To learn more about T.S. and her work, visit our show notes at www.talkeasypod.com. If you're new to the show and would like to listen to more, I'd recommend our talks with Fran Leibowitz Carol Burnett, Janea Future Khan, Hassan Minhaj, Janelle Monet, and Brittany Howard. You can find all of those and more on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you do your listening. If you'd like to join our mailing list, drop me a line at talkeasypod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at talkeasypod. Just a reminder that we launched our Patreon page after five years. You can get behind the work we do here every Sunday, every week, rain or shine, at patreon.com slash talk We are truly a listener-supported program, so every patron, every subscription, ensures that we can continue doing the work we do here. Thank you in advance. As always, our show is made possible by our incredible team. Our executive producer is Janik Sabravo. Illustrations by Krisha Shenoy. Our associate producer is Nikki Spina. Our lead editor is Andre Lynn. Our editor for today's show is Joshua Siegel. Our assistant editors are Kevin Kaur and Clarice Guevara. Our interns are Caitlin Dryden, Claire Hardwick, Julie Harold, Patrice Lee, and Grace Perkins. Video and graphics by Ian Chang, Derek Gaberzak, Orion Huang, Ian Jones, Isabel Primavera, and Ethan Seneca. And the show is produced by Caroline Reebok. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. We're back Wednesday with a bonus episode featuring the marathon woman herself, Katherine Switzer. Until then, rest in peace to Earl Simmons, known by most as DMX. He was an irrepressible force of nature, a great writer, and brilliant rapper. May his work live on through you and I both. Stay safe, and so long. ¶¶
1: Enter now at tmobile.com/slash unconventional awards. See you there. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large,
2: a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week we're gonna talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love: books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts.